everybody. Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I am your host, Jake Brainy, and we are in episode 45, almost the one-year anniversary of this podcast, which means, yes, we are here. It is finally draft week. Silly season was long. Uh, there were plenty of bad rumors, good rumors, all the stuff out there. It seemed like it was the most controversial season yet. A lot of names being thrown out for the number one pick, possible trades, quarterbacks slipping, quarterbacks rising. A lot of different things have been thrown around this draft season, so it's nice that we're going to finally get to a conclusion. Now, before the draft on Thursday, I do want to wade through a lot of these last-minute rumors and try and figure out exactly where we are and what is going to happen on Thursday night. And to do that... I wanted to bring on a bunch of very special guests. With, uh, they range to uh, podcast hosts around the country. Very excited to speak to a lot of different people. I reached out to some of my favorite players of the draft to see if we can get them. Uh, did not get much success in the department of the draftable players, but you'll have to listen to see who I have on this week. But I do have a lot of very special guests, some guys that can show a lot of insight to the draft process, what is actually true behind these doors, and what you've been hearing that might be false, okay? So, without further ado, enjoy the Jake episode 45, the 2018 NFL Draft Special. Let's go. All right, and with me today is my first guest of the Draft Week special, Jordan Reed of Climbing the Pocket Podcast and ClimbThePocket.com. Jordan, what's going on, man? Everything's good, man. Um, happy, happy to be here. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. Great. Yeah, no, we're really pumped to have you. This is, uh, you know, I've been following you on Twitter a lot recently, and you've uh, had a lot of stuff come out. It's It's... Some really exciting stuff this time of year. Is there, uh, you know, any anything you think about the number one pick? What do you think the Browns are leaning right now? Yeah, so this is really the first draft since 2000 where no one really has any idea exactly what the team at the top is going to do. Usually, you know, a couple of days before the draft or even a week before the draft, we have a good idea exactly who could go number one. But this this time around, we really don't know. We know the Browns are obviously going to pick a quarterback, but we don't know which one. And it seems like there's a different rumor coming out every day. Like today, it was Baker Mayfield and how high the Browns are on him. And even a couple of weeks ago, obviously, it was Josh Allen. And then Sam Darnold has been a presumable favorite so far during the entire process. So there's a different rumor every single day. But my gut feeling, I think they go Sam Darnold. And I think that's their guy. Yeah, you know, it just seems like throughout the whole draft process, They've leaned a different guy each, you know, kind of like month of the offseason. You know, when early on when John Dorsey took the job, it was no surprise that he was interested in Baker Mayfield because of the amount of Oklahoma games he went to and some of the guys that he hired that were previously high on Mayfield. So I'm not surprised by that, but I do think Darnold is his guy. I could be wrong. I kind of want it to be Rosen or Mayfield. Uh but at the end of the day, I think he does go Darnold. Any chances of it going Rosen or Mayfield, or what do you think? Yeah, and I mean, out of the two, I think it would be Mayfield. But I think it's 
kind of weird that Josh Rosen hasn't really been linked to the Browns not one bit ever since his comments about really not wanting to play in Cleveland. Now, he didn't necessarily say that he didn't want to play in Cleveland, but it was a bit of a touchy subject with him. He just wants to go to the best situation and the best team, and he really didn't feel like Cleveland was that situation for him. But I think out of those two, I think Mayfield would interest him a bit more, especially with Scott McLuhan, who actually is in the Browns organization right now. Him, his open comments about Baker Mayfield before he was even hired with the Browns and saying that he reminds him a lot of Brett Favre. So I think Mayfield obviously would interest him more than Rosen. Yeah, it, it, it is really interesting. And I think of those three guys, they're all pretty solid picks. Uh, you know, I have Rosen as my number five overall player. But I don't have Mayfield and Darnold all that far behind at 9 and 13. I do think it's a bit of a drop to Josh Allen, though. And uh, I'm just wondering, do you think any of that smoke is real? Or do you think maybe it's kind of just silly season talk? I think, I honestly think it makes a little bit of sense. Because if you go back and look at John Dorsey's track record in his first round picks, he's big on taking potential over the more proven product right now and the word potential on the upside is what you see with Josh Allen right. and what you see a lot of people tagging with and just go back and think about John Dorsey's draft picks even Eric Fisher over Luke Jokel in 2013 Eric Fisher obviously was the bigger project than what Jokel was and even last year if you go back to Patrick Mahomes he was a huge project and he took him over the more proven commodity in Deshaun Watson so it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns do take Josh Allen but I think it would be a huge risk but I think it would make a lot of sense for them because of John Dorsey's track record. Now, I don't necessarily think it would be the right pick, but I would understand why John Dorsey did it because of his previous what he's done previously on his resume. Yeah, I would agree with that too. You know, it, it shows that uh, he has been willing to take risks on players before too, uh, whether that be off the field risks or just potential and you know versus production type risks. And I wouldn't be surprised about that. Uh, going off of what he's done in the first rounds in Kansas City, he's done a lot with, you know, you see the big prime positions being drafted. Left tackle, quarterback, shutdown corner, and pass rusher. So uh, it's not a surprise to me that quarterback is obviously going to go one. But a lot of people are saying Barkley at four. And to me, that doesn't really fit the Dorsey bill but Bradley Chubb does. Denzel Ward might. You know, uh, any thoughts on what the Browns may do at number four? I think it's going to be between Bradley Chubb and Saquon Barkley, whoever's left between the two. Obviously, we don't know what the Giants are going to do with it too. Either they can take a quarterback or they're going to take Saquon Barkley. That seems to be the favorite for that spot. Everyone knows that the Jets are going to take a quarterback at three. That's the worst kept secret around the league and that's pretty much exactly what they're going to do when everybody has speculated since they made the since they made the trade with the Colts. So I think it's gonna be between Saquon Barkley and Bradley Chubb. Now if I had to pick between the two, I would take Bradley Chubb because you're getting a guy opposite of Miles Garrett at a premium position. And I'm just not big on prioritizing running backs early in the draft, um, especially in the first round now. That's not to say you don't you shouldn't take them in the first round, but I just don't think you have to prioritize them that early, especially when you just signed Carlos Hyde to a hefty contract, and you have Duke Johnson who's going into a contract year as well, right, yeah. who's going to be looking to get paid as well. And I think you'll be fine with both of those guys in the backfield. Now, 
Saquon Barkley obviously has more potential than those two guys, but I just think the price would be too much if you're paying Barkley high and then with Duke Johnson looking for another contract after this season. But if you pair Bradley Chubb with Miles Garrett, I think that would be a phenomenal one-two punch. And then you mix in Emmanuel Ogden with that as well. So I love those top three if they were to go with the Bradley Chubb route. Yeah, I really hope they do go the Chubb route. I hope that's an option and then they go that way just because, you know, having two dynamic pass rushers like Garrett and Chubb would just be an overwhelming problem to deal with for, you know, offensive coordinators. And the Browns haven't really had an identity for a few years now. I think this would be the right way to go. And, you know, nothing against Saquon Barkley. I think he's one of the best players in the draft. But this draft is a very heavy running back draft. There's a lot of guys that they can get with one of their three second round picks. So, you know, when you can use the number four pick on a guy like Bradley Chubb where you're not finding pass rushers like that, and then you can wait for running backs later, I think that's the better route for Cleveland. Uh, is there anybody that you think isn't really getting the love of the first round? I know I know you're a big Isaiah Wynn fan. Uh, anyone that you think uh, maybe isn't getting enough talk, but at the end of the day, man, we're going to wonder next year, why wasn't this guy going higher? I think a guy that I really like, I actually have a first-round grade on him, and it's Justin Reed, the safety from Stanford. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I really like, and we know Derwin James and Michael Fitzpatrick are the top two safeties in the draft that are getting most of the love. But I think a guy like Justin Reed brings the exact same type of value that both of those guys bring to the table. He's a guy that plays nickel corner. He plays in the slot. He plays on the roof of the defense at free safety, and he also plays that strong safety as well. So he brings a lot of versatility and value to the table with this overall game. And I just love his background as well. Dad played at LSU. And obviously his brother is a former first-round pick. Um, that's a free agent right now. He had a successful career, early career with the 49ers. So he has those genes and that mental makeup that you love as well. So once we look back on this draft, I think he's a guy that's going to end up being one of the better, not only defensive players, but overall players from this draft as well. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, he's uh... – you're right, he's getting overshadowed, and I'm, I'll be the first one to admit that I'm one of them because I have a pretty clear crush on Minka Fitzpatrick, and after doing a lot of recent work on Derwin James, he's become one of my favorites of this draft as well. So I can see why he's kind of getting lost a little bit, but this is a really good defensive back class, and I feel like we're going to see a lot of good players come out of this. I myself am a huge Jair Alexander fan. I think he's one of my top five favorite players in this draft. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to be the best corner from the class. And we're going to wonder why this guy went the end of first round instead of possibly top 10. Uh, now, with every you know sleeper, there's also guys that may fall. Is there anyone in your mind that it is getting way too much talk that isn't really going to go as high? Or maybe someone that's just not going to perform as well as they are drafted. Yeah, so the one guy for me definitely will be Colton Miller, the offensive tackle from UCLA. He blew up at the combine, tested in the 99th percentile of a lot of testing measurables or events that he participated in. And he's more of an athlete than an overall football player, in my opinion, on this film. You don't really see the athleticism that he showed on the combine or at the combine, excuse me. I just think he's a big project right now, and if you draft him in the first round, it's more of a potential 
over what the proven product is right now. Now, I think he can end up being anything from Nate Solder to Jason Spriggs. I think that's how far or how wide his spectrum is of potential. So I think you're making a huge bet on him. If you take him in the first round, I'm more comfortable taking him in the second or third round just because of how big of a project he is. Yeah, I, I would also agree there. I, I think you nailed it right on the head with your player evaluation because I think one of the problems right now is people are kind of searching and hoping to find a left tackle prospect, and that guy might not be there this year. You know, the you know to stick on the Browns for another second, uh, they're, they're losing Joe Thomas this year, and the one thing I really hope they don't do is force themselves into drafting his replacement. If the replacement isn't there, you can't be drafting a guy hoping he'll be someone that he's not, uh, especially when this draft seems very deep at some positions. Uh, I think it's a great year to need interior offensive linemen in that first, second, third round, but not exactly a, a left tackle. Uh, so so that's not surprising. I, I'm glad you said Colton Miller, and I don't have anything against the young man. I just think you know he's uh, maybe getting pumped up a little bit too much because of the lack of premier tackles in this draft. Uh with all that being said, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, what should we expect from your Minnesota Vikings at the end of round one? Do you think they stick there? Do you think they kind of uh, build for the future a little bit? Or maybe plug in a guy that can play right away and help them win? Well, it's a tough situation because the roster is so deep and it's so loaded. They don't really need to force a certain position. They really could sit back and take the best player available on their board. Now, obviously, you want to protect your $84 million investment in Kirk Cousins, who is the big-time quarterback that they signed this offseason. So they don't necessarily have to force an interior offensive lineman because it is such a deep class. They can sit back and wait on a defensive tackle because we all know Shelby Richardson is probably a one-and-done situation with the Vikings. They also can sit back and take a corner if they want to dive into this deep class. And we all know Mike Zimmer loves taking those cornerbacks. So I don't necessarily think they have to force an interior offensive line. Been at 30, but there's a lot of different routes that they could go. So it's interesting to see what they will do. Now, what I'm hoping they do is I'm hoping Mason Rudolph slips to pick 30, and I'm hoping a team wants to trade up to the Vikings pick at 30 and they mm -hmm. trade back end up making two second round picks that's what I'm hoping does happen okay yeah I could see that happening you know especially you know the quarterback position if you could get that fifth year on the rookie deal uh at the quarterback spot it is so worth it to even climb up two or three spots you know if the Giants decide hey maybe it's time to draft Eli Manning's replacement you know instead of waiting for 34 uh maybe jump up to 30 so I like that idea uh, Jordan, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Uh, I wish you all the luck this draft season, and I hope the Vikings do well. Uh, tell my fran uh, my fans where they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, and all that. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jreidraftscout. That's J-R-E-I-D, draftscout. Once again, that's J-R-E-I-D, draftscout. You can also find my work at climbingthepocket.com. Also, I just released two weeks ago my NFL draft board, and you can pick that up. For five dollars, it's pinned on the top of my page, my Twitter page, and all the money or all the proceeds is donated to the Raleigh Rise Against Hunger organization here in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is actually where I stay. So, it's don you're donating to a good cause. Also, you're getting a plethora of draft information, so it benefits both sides. Awesome, thanks a lot, Jordan. I I can't wait to talk to you. Maybe possibly after the draft, and we'll cover a little bit more. Thank you for having me. On. All right, bye bye. 
All right, for my next guest on this week's draft special of the Jake, I have recurring guest and fellow Jake, Jake Burns of WaitingForNextYear.com. Jake, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Stepping out of work. Talk some Browns talk here as we get close, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming. I know it's been a crazy week. I know you're uh, a new father, so I appreciate you taking all the time out to join. Yeah, no, no, no problem. I got to get this done before I walk in the house because it's all hands on deck. You know how it goes. I, I, I can, <laughs> I can get it totally. So listen, um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before air, but uh, who should it be at number one? Who will it be at number one? That's ever, what everyone wants to know. It's usually well before draft night. Uh, everyone knows who the number one pick is going to be. This seems to be the latest we've gone with it being kind of hidden. Uh, what do you think it should be? Who do you think it will be? Yeah, I think it's, uh, like you said, a good point there. It feels like it's dragging on. We've heard about every name connected, even some minor rumblings of Lamar Jackson being an impressive name for, for John Dorsey. I, I haven't heard much about Josh Rosen, but you just have to consider, or sorry, I uh, think that they're considering him based on everything that he's about. So, I mean, they've all been connected. Uh, it's getting as close as we can get without a feeling like they're going to tell us who it is or we have a really good idea who it is. Um, you know, even the reporters have agreed. Most of the big names have agreed to not tweet out names ahead of time. So we might be in for a surprise. But uh, like we were talking about here before we came on, it seems like Benjamin Albright tweeted out that it seems like it's going to be Sam Darnold. That's the idea that most of us have at least myself, I can't speak for everybody, but I felt like the minute he declared he was the safe bet, um, I have no problem with Sam Darnold. I think he's got a he's got a good mixture of, a, of, of skills for for modern NFL quarterbacking. I think he does a really good job off platform. Does a good job. Uh, you know, his, his release can be a little long, but it's pretty quick when he gets going. Does a good job against pressure, realizing pressure where it's coming from, where to get the ball to. He's young, only twenty. Uh, you know, is the perfect candidate to sit behind Tyrod, uh, get that, get, get better in time, understand things, you know, as the process comes. Nothing will feel rushed with Sam Darnold. I'm a quarterback one guy as Baker. So this morning's rumblings uh, got me a little bit excited, but, you know, I think I think the pick should be Baker Mayfield, but you know, I don't think that's the direction they'll go, and I'm okay with that. I think there's, there's five pretty good quarterbacks in this class, so I'm okay with the idea of Sam Darnold. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a logical pick. It's it's safe. It's, it's something that Cleveland probably needs more than uh, more than more than most other franchises right now. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you make a good point. Like uh, I was with you on the Baker train, and I still am. Uh, I went to the Heisman dinner in December, uh, and and just like fell in love with him, getting like you know to know him and everything like that. I was like, this is this is my guy. This is who I want leading the Browns. I was all about that, but you know. Sam Darnold's grown on me a lot. Uh, I Brendan Leister kind of convinced me that uh, the, that he's a very safe pick. Even though Dorsey isn't really known to be the safe pick kind of guy, I do think there's a lot of projection with Sam Darnold as well to be a very good quarterback. You know, if he's able to protect the ball, he's got a gunslinger type mentality that kind of just looks he looks the part in most uh, in most areas. So I'm okay with Darnold. He's not my first pick. Uh, I I have him as the third quarterback, but uh, behind Rosen and Mayfield. But I'm starting to come around to it. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, sometimes we want everything in one. We want a flashy quarterback. We want the guy with the bravado. We want the guy who you know thumps his chest, and that's just not Sam. So I think 
it feels underwhelming to a lot of people who are on the East Coast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where Cleveland is, we didn't get to watch a ton of his games out there. A lot of people, I would say 90% of the fan base is making their summation of who Sam Darnold is based off the Cotton Bowl, and that's not fair. Maybe a little bit of the, the Rose Bowl from the year prior, but I just don't think people have invested enough time in him. Uh, but, you know, everything you read, everything you, you gather about who he is as a person on the field, off the field, the leadership on both ends, you know, he's not the prettiest guy in the world. He's, he's not going to be the, the, the poster child for advertising companies. But, you know, do, do you need that? You, know, you don't. You don't need that. We just need somebody who can come in and play good quarterback, you know, that play the quarterback position well for, for, for you know, 10 to 12 years. And that, that time frame, where you just need stability there, and I think he can really do that. And it's not, I don't think it's fair to say he's, he's less of a chance to be elite than some of these other guys. He has a chance. I mean, he, he certainly can, can clean up some of the uh, fumbling issues we've talked about, which are very clean. You know, you can clean those up. You just got to rep those sorts of things out. And, you know, he fits the ball in the tight window, so he makes some big-time throws. I'm, I'm okay with it. The more, I, the more I think about it, I understand that perspective on it, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. You, you make a lot of really good points. I love that you brought up the bowl games, too, because it kind of seems like you know, the people that love him will always refer to the Rose Bowl, and the people that really don't like him will refer, uh, go back to the Cotton Bowl. So uh, there's a lot. I, it seems like those are both ends of the extreme, but I do agree. There's a lot to like there. Uh, he seems like an easy guy to root for, and his leadership might be quieter, but there's nothing wrong with that. That has worked. Yeah, so Absolutely. And I think, I think there was a point in time this year where I watched a couple of his games. He struggled against Washington State. And I just thought, this kid's going back to school. There's just no way he's coming out. He went through a rough stretch of about four games early in the season where he just it just wasn't clicking. He was forcing things, trying to force action down the field that wasn't there. And then the last half of the year, he really he settled in and figured it out. And it can be hard for me to remember sometimes that he's only 20. He's still young. He didn't play a ton of quarterback at the high school level. He was... He was able to start his junior year but got hurt, you know, so he didn't get to play a ton there. His sophomore year he was backing up another kid. So he really only got experience his senior year. So um, still young, still tons of ability to learn and grow in the position. And, um, you know, I think that, like I said, there's not a ton of film on him to, to make people sit back and say, okay, I understand this he's a three-year starter. He was a five-star kid coming out of, or out of high school. I think – I think there's still a shroud of mystery that hangs over Sam and why a lot of people still prefer Baker, still prefer Josh Rosen. Uh, but I, I certainly, in sitting down and, and studying a lot of what you said, Brendan does a really good job with it. There are a lot of other quarterback guys who have, who have put out, Mark Walman, who have put out some stuff that makes you sit back and understand these are the traits that work for him. These are the traits that NFL teams are looking at. It does make sense from both perspectives. Yeah, yeah. Um, believe it or not, there's more than just the quarterback in this draft. There's a lot of really good positions. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bradley Chubb, and I hope the Browns acquire him at four. I really, there are a lot of guys I like. I, everyone knows I'm a big Darius Geis fan. I love Jair Alexander. The Browns have a lot of first and second round picks, but it seems like every year there's just a position that I would love the Browns to address. And they don't. Do you think there's something that, you know, Browns fans to, you know, hey, don't get your hopes up here because that might not be what John Dorsey addresses with one of those first five picks that they have? Yeah, I think I, I tweeted that out today actually with regard to Baker Mayfield. There have been so many times as a Browns fan where I sat there and been like, okay, this is our guy. It makes sense right here. Everybody else seems to make sense and they go in some completely. 
completely opposite direction. I don't I don't necessarily know what they're going to do outside of pick four. I do think that if Bradley Chubb is there, it does make a lot of sense for them to take him. Is it a certainty that they're going to take him? No. But it makes a lot of sense because of the positional value and the player that Bradley Chubb is. You know, you can get him, Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Aguilar, all grown men, 275-plus pound guys who can rotate inside, outside, can play the run and pass equally and really get after the quarterback, which is what's most importantly, uh, or sorry, which is most most, most important. Um, so I, I would hope that's the pick for if for some reason Bradley Chubb goes at two, you know, then you're... Then you're looking at Saquon Barkley being there at four. I, I don't think they pull the trigger there, but it's certainly plausible. My hope is that if Bradley Chubb is on, they can trade down maybe with Denver uh, and, and move back into that five spot, take Denzel Ward, gather maybe a third-round pick. But then you're looking at you know the positions that they need to really take to kind of get back to the original question. I think they need to get a corner. I think at some point they need to get a running back. They definitely – they don't need to stretch for a tackle because the tackle class is really thin past, in my opinion, past Mike McGlinchey gets really thin. Um, so they don't need to force that action there, but they certainly certainly could use a tackle. And I do think they need to address the interior of the defensive line. Uh, you know, I think they have Larry Ogunjobi, who's a heck of a football player, and Caleb Brantley flashed some things. But, you know, when they moved on from Danny Shelton, they opened up a void there of players that can really make an impact at Javon Coley and, Jamie Meter are interchangeable parts. They're not guys that make or break a, a, a position group there, so they're interchangeable. I'd like to see them grab somebody along the lines of, um, you know, the 33-35 area, Taven Bryan, or a uh, Maurice Hurst if he falls down boards a little bit with his medical scare. Or my, one of my favorites is Harrison Lewis out of Stanford. So those are the guys I expect there. And then the last position I think they have to adjust is wide receiver. I think we on paper see it as a position of strength. They have obviously. Corey Coleman, they have obviously Josh Ford, Jarvis Landry, but but you know I always say that they're one beer and one broken finger away from losing two of their top three again, like happened last year, and then they're stuck. So I think they need to address that. Uh, probably pick 35 or 33, whichever interchangeable pick there with the interior defensive line. They can get a somebody like DJ Moore, somebody like Cortland Sutton slips. You know those those are the names that are at the top of a lot of boards. Christian Kirk will resonate with some people. Uh, James Washington, DJ Chark. So some of those guys are out there too. I think wide receiver needs to be addressed. So those are the big ones for me. Uh, interior defensive line, uh, if they can get a pass rusher there at the top there, if they can they end up, they do end up trading down Harold Landry's a, certainly the Boston College defensive end is the, the target as well. Uh, but yeah, you know, 33-35, interior D-line, uh, corner wide receiver, I think, are where they're going to look. Yeah, you know what, I, I agree with you with most of those positions. I think, uh, you know, as much as I'd like them to not address wide receiver too early, I think you're right. They're a beer and a broken finger away, and it stinks that you have to think like that. But you do. You have to. So uh, a wide receiver might not be usually the position Dorsey goes very early, but we've also never seen John Dorsey have five picks in the first two rounds. So that has to be taken into consideration with a lot of people that are saying, oh, well, Dorsey's never done this. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Dorsey took a running back with his third pick. Why wouldn't he take it with his fifth pick? So I think we have to be careful. I, I get where you're coming from, and mm-hmm. I, I've fallen prisoner to that too. I think we have to be careful with you know where the ultimate power lies in some of Dorsey's previous drafts. Was Andy Reid mm-hmm. swinging the hammer on some of those picks? Right. Um, you know when he was in Green Bay, he obviously wasn't the GM. You know was who who was who was playing? And I get the the the, the past and where he comes from. 
from and the train of thought and all that. But, you know, now that he has ultimate saver draft, who's this say pick 33 comes up and he doesn't love Darius Geis? He says, I, just, I want that kid or, or Sony Michelle. You know? Right. We don't know. So there's some of that, uh, that a cloud of mystery kind of hangs over. I think we get a little too, um, you know, this is what Dorsey's done in the past and we don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people would say that Andy Reid plays a big part in drafts when he was with Philadelphia and with KC, and he's the one who won the battle of power there. So um, we just don't know. I think we could see some things we don't expect. I think we have an idea of what they need. Our idea from a general public standpoint might not be what John Dorsey thinks. He might think that there's a tackle out there that he has to have in the late 20s, so Connor Williams type guy. So we, we don't know. I'm expecting the unexpected probably for the first time in a while. Yeah, interesting. It, it's really interesting stuff, and you're right. Like, you have to be careful when those were completely different organizations. You know, I know he's brought a lot of the Green Bay guys in, but they've never had this exact room before, so things are different. Okay, so you were kind of hinting at it before. Uh, are there any guys that, no matter where they go, they get drafted, you know, even if they're not in Cleveland, that you're going to be following in their NFL career? Guys that you just, you know, through the draft process, you said, Man, I love this guy. I am I am a big fan of his, and I'm going to keep following. You know, wherever he is. What any any of those guys stick out to you? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good that's a really good point. I think no matter where um, Baker Mayfield goes, I will I will want to follow that kid. I think he's special. Um, really, really love Dante Pettis. I think he has a high yeah. ceiling wide receiver. I really love uh, Josh Jackson's skill set at corner. I think he's going to be a fun one to follow. Once he learns some of the intricate technique at corner, he kind of just plays. They just kind of put him out there, put him in cover two, put him in cover three, some cover four, and say, hey, man, go resize and make plays. And he made plays. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to be fun to be an ideal fit in Seattle. Love Harrison Phillips as a person from everything I read, interviews I've watched. His production at Stanford was ridiculous for a defensive tackle, over 100 tackles. Um you know, he's one that I'll really pay attention to. Um, Roquan Smith's a really fun Mike linebacker. We'll go in the top 15 picks. He's a fun pay attention. But then, you know, the Ohio State guys, the Billy Price, where's Billy go? Sam Hubbard, Denzel Ward. Uh, Jerome Baker might be a sneaky late second-round pick uh, mm-hmm. type type of linebacker similar to Darren Lee. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, just a, there's just a ton of really fun follows here. Not sure it's a loaded draft in terms of high-end talent, but – just a ton of depth and guys that could be really fun if they find the right role with their drafted uh, with their drafted team. Yeah, yeah, you you point out a lot of good names and one guy I've seen you defend a lot on Twitter is Sony Michelle, who I'm a big fan of as well. Uh, and and I could I mean no matter where he goes, I think he could be a steal because he got, he's getting overshadowed in a pretty deep running back class. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just I guess I kind of presume that Sony was just a given to be in Cleveland. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> good call. Good yeah, call. I Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's a historically good running back class that um, you know doesn't doesn't probably the worst case scenario for Saquon Barkley coming out in terms of yeah. teams may be willing to pass on him because of the depth later in the draft. But that's okay. I mean, it's like I said, it's going to be fun to watch. Barkley will be fun to watch. I worry about a recency bias because you know that Sam Darnold or whoever they draft to one is going to sit and Saquon will go to New York or wherever and he'll be really good and there'll be a ton of people that are clamoring for we should have picked Saquon Barkley and. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I can't wait. All right, before I let you go, I want one bold prediction from this draft. It could be Brown-centric. It could be around one player. It could be around a different team. But a bold prediction, Jake Burns thinks this will happen. I don't I don't know if it's that bold or 
that hot take-ish. I don't, this is, I don't think Cleveland trades. I think they sit still. Okay. I certainly think Buffalo tries to move up, and I think Buffalo does move up to five. And a guy who I think people aren't talking about who will go much higher, actually just mocked him 11th to Miami, is Mike Jusicki, the tight end out of, wow. out of Penn State. I okay. think he goes really high. I think his size, speed, power, explosiveness combo is pretty unheard of at that position. One of the best scores, total RAS scores in terms of combined uh, you know, power explosiveness. I think he's going to be a Jimmy Graham clone. So I expect him to go really early, and that's kind of where I hung my hat on on the prediction. Yeah, I that's, that's plenty bold. Goes, goes early too, or much earlier than people think. I also think Harold Landry will be a high pick. You know, For a while, it sounded like Buffalo might move up to New York spot. And uh, if they had done that trade, I was so ready to mock Harold Landry 12 to the Giants. Uh, But it sounds like the Giants are going to sit back and Buffalo is going to have to deal with either four or five. Uh, But I love that Jasicki bold take. I I work with a Penn State uh, football player. Who uh, who loves him and says that this guy's gonna wow some people? So I like that yeah. you said that. Listen, Jake. Yeah. Some other random ones, man. I'll just throw these in. I think yeah, the go for it. Quarterbacks are going. I think. I think. I think you see Mason Rudolph go in round one. I mm-hmm. think you see him sneak in whether whether it's the end of the draft to uh, the Patriots in the first round. They have two first round picks, or uh, or, or uh, New Orleans. I think there's going to be six quarterbacks, and um, I I. I uh, like I said, and then to go back on the other tangent, sorry, man, I'm jumping around a little yeah, bit. Go, yeah, go, yeah. Make sure I cover everything with you. I do think that in addressing the Cleveland trade, the 2-12, to 12, uh, or sorry, the 4-12 to 12 mark, the only guy I would feel comfortable with moving back for is Landry at 12. But like I kind of said, I think I think Landry's gone before that. So that's why I wow. think Cleveland sits still at 4. Um, because I think, you know, you're risking, you jump back to 12, you're risking who's there that we have to take. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people cite Denzel Ward and, 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 and uh, Harold Landry is the guy to take there. So um, I think that that's why I think they're going to sit still at four, take the top end prospect that's available non quarterback, and, and go from there. So that's all I got, man. I'm that's sorry. that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Jake. This will give me a lot of fun over the next 48 hours. So uh, we'll see. And hopefully we uh, all head home happy. So uh, thanks a lot, Jake. Really appreciate you coming on. All right, likewise, Jake, man. Take care. Talk soon. All right, bye. All right, next up on the Jake Podcast, we have a brand new guest, Mr. Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns, who also does some mock draft, daily mock draft for the New York Jets. Mr. Jeff Lloyd, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much, Jake. Uh, you know, obviously uh, about 48 hours away here, so, you know, a little, a little busy, but uh, it, it's, you know, there's a home stretch now. Uh, you know, you got to cool your Jets a little bit, you know, I kind of took the weekend off, sat back a little bit. You know, looked a little deeper into things and, uh, you know, got myself away from the Twitter world. But, uh, you know, here we are, man. Home stretch. I, I'm excited. For really yeah. Excited. I don't know how you get away from Twitter for that long. Every time I close the app, I jump right back in and fearing that I'm going to hear a new rumor about which quarterback is going to go number one. So, uh, with that being said, you know, we're pretty close to the draft now. There's been leaks of basically all five quarterbacks uh, going in a bunch of different spots. Who do you see going number one? Who do you think should go number one? But who do you think will go number one? I think we're going to get a case of the guy who should go number one is the guy who's going to go number one. Biggest thing with the Browns here is it, it, it's it, it's such an important pick because that stupid list just needs to be sent and blown into oblivion. And the only way you're going to end that is get it by getting the correct guy. Um, 
with each guy, you know, you know how they. You need the guy who's going to fit. You need the guy who's going to come in and he's not going to care that the team is one and thirty-one and kept their head coach. So kind of puts maybe a guy like Josh Rosen out of the mix. You need a guy to come in who understands that he still has a little work to do. There's a veteran here this year. There's a veteran tutor. So that kind of maybe puts Baker Mayfield out of the mix. You need a guy, and if it's John Dorsey, you know this is you, this is basically the biggest thing that's going to keep you here in Cleveland. So that pick kind of takes Josh Allen out of the equation. He can't miss on this pick. Mm-hmm. This pick has been two years in the making. Sashi Brown never did it, but now John Dorsey is. Lamar Jackson, I just don't think they have the sophistication of a coaching staff where they can make Lamar Jackson be what he is, which turns you back to Sam Darnold. I think it's pre- pretty much been since Sam Darnold declared. I think he did a great job of keeping his intentions quiet his entire season at USC. But once you know he played his last bowl game, which was a, a rough bowl game for him, but he fought battle to the end. You know, a day or so later, it came out that he was going pro. He knew full well at the time that the Cleveland Browns held the number one selection in this draft. I think it's something that he's I, I, maybe not embracing, but he's accepted. He's looked at what they've done you know, over the last two drafts, realized there's a lot of young talent there. He understands himself. He has a little, uh, little work to do still with his footwork. He's got the time to work on that. He can watch Tyrod Taylor play. He's got Drew Stanton to walk him through meetings and answer any extra questions he's got that the coaching staff can't give him the time for. I just think it's the perfect selection. He is the right guy for the game. And I am I'm 95% confident that this selection is going to be the one that's made on Thursday night. Yeah, you know, it seems like it's been starting to lean ever so more that way. Uh, we all saw the Albright tweet today, you know, whatever that means. But uh, I, I think the reason, and you know, I talk with Ben a lot. And Ben's always a great source for information. Mm-hmm. And look, Ben's a really good guy. I think in order to, you know, if you say it on Thursday afternoon, there's a chance somebody else may have gotten the information he got. Mm-hmm. So somebody else is going to run with it, even if they agree to or not. Ben put it out, knowing that there would probably be two, three hundred screenshots of it. Sure. So we went and took it down real quick. But uh, you know, and, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, Ben is someone I've talked with through this process. And it's, you know, I've always felt it's been Sam Darnold. And even every time somebody else's name kind of got to the, you know, the top of the stove, you know, just Ben, what do you think? You, you know, everything I'm hearing, nothing's changed. It's still Sam Darnold. So, you know, everybody you know, wants to act like he's breaking something hot. No, it's just confirmation of something he's been saying for three months. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Um, okay, so let's say the Browns take Darnold one, what you said should and will happen. Uh, the Jets are likely the next team to be drafting a quarterback. I think the Giants myself should take one, but that's a whole nother discussion. The Jets at three. A lot of talk has been that they're done and set with Mayfield and that Rosen kind of jives too much with Woody Johnson and all that. What do you think should the Jets do at three? And what do you think they will do at three? I think this is another one that where it's, it, it's going to line up well. And you know, Josh Rosen, it's been a rough last 10 days for him. Um, you know, some of the talk, you know, obviously was coming into this process and then it kind of died down. Now it's coming back up. There's one crazy rumor I won't share because it's fourth, fifth hand, but mm-hmm. it, it'll be something to be interested if it does leak out. Um, I, 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 I do wonder at the end of the day if that Trump hat does in somehow, some way affect this. But even if you look at it, you know, here are the Jets who play, you know, second fiddle to the New York Giants, sharing a stadium. And now here's a guy who's been, you know, basically pushed back his entire career because he's too small or the conference he plays in or the offense he plays in. And look, he's just ridiculously good. 
Um, if Baker Mayfield was six foot two, I think he'd be the number one selection regardless. Sure. Of the yeah. He's got the best tape. So if you do have some concerns because he's six foot change, look, I, I understand that. I mean, I have you know slight concerns with that myself. But you know, you look at you know how much you know Jamal Adams and Marcus May did last year. You go back to that Thursday night game with that entire defense just dancing, enjoying a TV timeout. You need to continue those type of guys in a locker room to go out on a field and go play with. And Baker's that guy. And if there was anything we saw from the Senior Bowl, is you know, it's an all-star game. A lot of these guys don't know each other, but a lot of these guys went out of their way to go talk with Baker Mayfield, get to meet Baker Mayfield. He's an engaging guy. People are going to you know, gravitate towards him. I think it's with the wide receiver core. As long as everybody is you know healthy. Robbie Anderson probably looking at a little suspension, but if Quincy Inunua comes back and he is what he was, my God, it's such a perfect thing. And look, he may not start week one, but you got Luke McCown, and I, I just I think it's the perfect selection, and it's it's the B twelve shot the offensive side of the ball needs for this New York Jets organization. Yeah, you know, you mentioned you know McCown, and that makes me think, man, like. That could be what the Browns have, McCown and Baker Mayfield. And I'm a big Mayfield guy. I think he's going to do great uh, in the NFL. When watching him, you just have to realize, like, man, this guy is the best at the quarterback position. Why is he not getting talk? Is it really just the height? And maybe it is. And and uh, But, I mean, man, I, I am such a big fan of his, so I'm glad you said that. I think Jets fans should be very happy with Baker Mayfield if he falls to three, which... You know, it kind of sounds like he is. It sounds like the Browns are zeroing in on Darnold. It doesn't seem like the Giants would even consider Mayfield. So I think the Jets traded up knowing that they would get a, a an option of a couple guys there. And Mayfield seems like maybe the favorite all along. Yeah, I think the most important thing, and people knocked the Jets for it at the time, oh, they traded up too soon. I think what they knew is, at worst, we can walk out of this with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Even if the Giants were to go to quarterback, Baker Mayfield just doesn't strike me as a guy that is going to work with them. The mm-hmm. brassness, that type of guy. I just don't think it was something the Giants you know, were ever going to look to. I, you know, Should they still trade out of two? I absolutely think they should. I think they're going to take Saquon Barkley because the Giants are a stubborn franchise that think, you know, they don't think, you know, a few seasons away. They think they could probably still be in it if, you know, they get better O-line play, if they get their wide receivers back. You bring in a Saquon Barkley. That's the way the New York Giants do business. But the Jets did this perfectly. They got themselves out of the, the range of, do we contemplate Josh Allen, or do they get themselves to the, we're going to get one of these top three guys, and, and, and we, you know, that's what we want. We need to you know, change the face of the quarterback position for this franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, listen, there are more positions than quarterback in this draft. I know you wouldn't believe it by going on Twitter, but there's plenty of other <laughs> spots. Yeah, there's plenty of other positions to be drafted. Are there any guys that you really like, you know, whether or not they're a first round pick or saying, listen, you know, no matter where this guy goes, I'm going to be following him and I'm going to be watching him because I think he's got, to, he's going to do some great things in the NFL. Um, probably my first one would be uh, Jair Alexander. Love that pick. Yeah. I, 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 I love, I just love a cornerback that, that runs his mouth and, and doesn't, you know, it's not, you know, doesn't hide from anything, doesn't run from anything. You go back to the game two years ago against Clemson, two interceptions against Deshaun Watson. Just he's just that type of animal. Now missed a lot of time this year. Louisville, you know that that was you know a rough part of their season, which probably may hurt Lamar Jackson a little bit because the defense couldn't stop anybody, which made it really hard for Lamar Jackson to you know score with the opponent, you know the teams he was playing against. But he's just got that dog in him. 
He's going to be a guy that comes in, and look, he, he may give up a reception or two. He's not going to stop talking, and guys will rally around that. He's a nice, nice plug-in. You know, probably start from day one. It just brings some you know, freshness to your defense, brings a little bit of attitude, and, and it's going to get the fans. He's definitely going to get the fans fired up. If you want a guy a little later on, I, I love both Georgia running backs. You know, I know it's weird. You know, it's running back position a lot of times. Age is something that people are concerned about. Both these guys aren't perfect age-wise at 23 and 22, but these two guys, both solid players in what they do. Sony Michelle, big playability. You know, brings a little, you know, some great balance. You know, brings some to the pass game. Nick Chubb is a guy that you know, enjoys the 25 plus carries. Now, imagine he's probably not going to see that many in the NFL. So, you know, maybe 15 to 20. You know, in the fourth quarter, you've got a lead. You know, everybody talks about that four minutes offense where you got to grind it out. Nick Chubb, a guy like that, and then you know, keeping in mind the heart and everything he's been through to get back to it. Man, those are some great answers. Uh, I have been a big fan of J.R. Alexander in this whole draft process. I think you nailed it right in the head. He has a swagger about him that I haven't seen from any of the other D-backs in this draft. I see a little bit of it in Bradley Chubb, and that's why I really want the Browns to tag him at four. But Alexander is that one guy, man, that I'm like, if there's a way that we could end up with him. This is a guy who's going to get paid big bucks one day because he just has the attitude and swagger and the ability of a cornerback. This isn't just liking his personality. He's a good player too. And then of course the Georgia running backs, it's funny how both of them, you know, are on your list, but they're both good in their own ways and I think uh they'll both make a, a hit in the NFL. Uh, yeah, so. absolutely. And, and the one thing on Jairi was everybody loved his play, and then he went to the combine and tested through the roof. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anybody was really expecting that. So for a guy like Jair, that just you know that just ramped up everything for him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, all right. So when it comes time for draft time. And, you know, the media doesn't know everything, and, and it seems like they like to pump up a lot of things that they believe rather than what the teams believe. Is uh, What do you think we might see on draft night of a guy who might fall a lot farther than what we're being told or a guy that might surprise people and be drafted much higher? Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we talked about it, but Josh Rosen's going to be interesting there. Um, it's coming out now, and I believe it was Eric Galco put it out through Sporting News, that, you know, there's teams where he's off the board. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's gotten there, so that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, me, you know, just doing a couple of mock drafts, uh, you know, Vita Vea is a guy I have a hard time finding to get into the first round. Uh, Maurice Hurst is another interesting guy. Great tape, but his problem is going to be, you know, how are people viewing? He's a little bit undersized as a D-tackle, and, you know, how are people going to view the medicals? That's going to be an interesting one. If you wanted me to give you a surprise thing for round one, I'm going to go with Josh Sweat out of Florida State. Oh, nice. Six foot four and change, 250 plus. I mean, he tested, you know, he tested ridiculously. You know, almost a 40 inch vertical, uh, you know, ran the low four fives. Uh, you know, I understand he has the history of the knee injury, but now we're three years removed from that. Um, you know, here's a guy like Tennessee at 25 who just needs a pin the ears back pass rusher. And he is this good of an athlete. I think you slide him into Tennessee, and you got a sleeper pick maybe for defensive rookie of the year. Oh, wow. I love it. I mean, and that leads me right into my very next point. Before I let you go, I want to talk bold prediction. You know, like if you've got a guy that you think is going to crack the, the top 10 or, or, or some team's going to make a big trade, give me something bold that draft night Jeff Lloyd's putting his stamp of approval on. 
care what any mock draft says that has him in the 20s. If I were selecting at four for the Browns and we were keeping this pick, what do the Browns need? They need another beast pass rusher. They have guys who can contribute, and this isn't a knock on Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, Emmanuel Agba, there's not much difference in between the player. Uh, now, Harold Landry is the better pass rusher on tape. A lot of people discount him because of his 2017 film when he was injured. You go to his 2016 film, you know, he's destroying teams. He's chasing Dalvin Cook down from behind. Tested better as an athlete. Had a three-cone, uh, you know, half of a second better than Bradley Chubb did. Harold Landry should be drafted before Bradley Chubb. Harold Landry should not get out of the top ten. He's the best pass rusher in this class. Wow. You know what? I asked you to be bold. You did not disappoint. Uh, I like Harold Landry a lot. I, I, you know, no offense, I like Chubb better, but I can see the appeal of Chubb or of uh, Landry. You know, when he's healthy, he is a terror, and I think uh, he will be a top 15 pick uh, at the end of the day. But uh, saying over Chubb, man, that's big. That's bold. And uh, listen, I really appreciate you for coming on to the podcast. This should be a very fun finish to Silly Season. I'm really excited to just finally get to the actual draft portion. I am so with you. The talk is over. It's, it's time to get to it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks a lot, Jeff. All right, I'll be good. No, no problem, Jake. Take care of yourself. All right, bye-bye. All right, my next guest on this week's uh, draft special of the Jake is Brendan Leister of the Browns Note Podcast. Brendan, what's going on, man? Doing great. How you doing today? I'm really psyched. Uh, we're almost towards the end of this whole whole draft, silly season. There's a lot of rumors out there. And uh, what do you think? Like, what is the rumor? Like, which rumors to believe, which rumors not to believe? Because we've heard a bunch from every quarterback and trading down and taking Chubb. And what am I supposed to believe right now? I think that... It's very likely that Darnold the pick. I think that that decision's probably been made up for a while now. Um, I think that most of this misinformation about the quarterbacks is just, I mean, I'm sure that Baker Mayfield was definitely in the mix for them. I'm sure that they had discussions, plenty of discussions about which quarterback to take. They might, they probably liked him plenty. Um, but you also have to kind of take into account, I think which pro days they prioritize, they, they brought everybody out to Sam Darnold's and Josh Allen's as well. Um, I think that really says something about the whole process, how it went. But I think Darnold's kind of been the pick for a while. Um, as far as the Giants at two, I think I think we should probably believe the Barkley stuff until proven wrong. Um, I could definitely see Chubb going there. I think that if, if Chubb isn't on the board at four, it's very likely the Browns really try to move out. It, it also seems likely to me that the Bills try to get in front of the Broncos because if this new, all this, you know, all this noise now is that Rosen's probably going to go three potentially to the Jets, which we it's kind of come out of nowhere. But um, so in that case, it seems like, uh, you know, the Bills might move up to get Mayfield at four or, you know, to jump the Broncos. So all that. So it's just, it's really interesting. All the rumors going around, it's, it's hard to kind of, kind of get, like cut through the noise and just find what's reality. We won't really know until tomorrow night. Um, but I, I tend to lean toward what Vegas has. You know, the odds that Vegas has, they have good reasons for those odds. They're not out here losing money. And they've had Darnold as, as the favorite throughout the whole process at number one. And I think that's likely to be who the pick is. 
yeah, it's kind of funny that like all this is coming out so late, but this is what we deal with every year, you know, like Mitchell Trubisky being in talk at number one came out very late, but in the end it was the guy that everyone expected the whole time. So uh, not surprised that this is all coming out right now. The Rosen stuff is pretty surprising. Uh, I've always thought that Rosen would be a slam dunk pick for the Jets. And I, I just find it really funny that it's come out this late. But hey, you never know like what the whole thought process was. This is It is really interesting. Um, speaking of Buffalo, though, if they're coming up for a quarterback, do you think it's for Mayfield? Like I, I know they're not going to have first or even second choice of QB. Do you think there's a guy that they'll really want to move up for? Or is it just like whoever's left? It's so hard to say. I. I mean, there's just been so much talk about their guy being Allen the whole time. But if Mayfield's actually on the board there, if he gets past the Jets, then it's really hard to say. Um, I think it makes sense for, for Darnold to go first and then Rosen second, just the, by the way that I, I view the quarterbacks personally. That's my one and two. But it's just it's really hard to say. I've heard things about the, how Buffalo wants the guy with the big arm that cuts the ball through the wind and all that. And, can play in the snow you know there's the narrative about the big quarterback and right. the bad weather and I don't really buy into that too much but okay NFL people seem to so for them if they want the big quarterback with the big arm then maybe Allen's their guy and they move up from 12 for him um on that note I kind of want to add this as well I'm of the opinion that they absolutely have to give the Browns their number one pick next year if they're going to move up that pick's going to be extremely valuable next year's class looks I, mean, I know that you can never tell a year ahead. We're not fortune tellers. But if all these guys come out that are in next year's draft, I think that the position players look much stronger than in this class. Um, at the top, at valuable positions, there could be a ton of defensive linemen that are really good yeah. prospects. Um, a couple of them from Ohio State. Um, a few of them from Clemson. There's there's a lot of guys. So that pick next year is going to be extremely valuable, no matter what quarterback the Bills get, because I don't think that a rookie quarterback's really going to move the needle too much, even if it's Baker Mayfield and he comes in and plays okay. I don't think it's going to be enough to like take them to the playoffs, for example. So whoever moves up, they absolutely have to give the Browns their number one pick next year, in my opinion. And with the Bills, you try to get that third pick, you know, 12, uh, 22, I believe it is, and then also the number one pick next year. But it's hard to see the Bills giving up three. I mean, maybe they would, but at mo at least I think they absolutely have to get the 12th pick, number one next year, and some change. Yeah, I mean, I've been in on 22 a lot, and I uh, I do think that the 2019 first would be a better pick than the 22nd pick. I guess it just depends on how desperate Buffalo's going to get. Uh, so we'll see. You know, I think they'll get even more desperate if three QBs go one, two, three. But some people are saying maybe you want more quarterbacks on the board so that they can go up and get the guy that they really want. I just think if it's going to be like a desperation move if three quarterbacks go one, two, three, so they might be willing to give up more. But it'll be really interesting to go with the trading and – it seems like the only trades that anyone's talking about right now would be involving moving up for quarterbacks, whether it's Arizona or Buffalo, uh, being the two that are named the most. But that means someone's going to have to fall in this draft. Do you think? Do you see anyone maybe falling a little bit that doesn't get drafted as high as the media is kind of pumping right now? Or someone that's going to be drafted a lot higher than media is saying and saying, listen, you know, this guy was here the whole time, but no one was paying attention. 
I think Roquan Smith's probably going to go somewhere in the top 10, a little closer, probably a little closer to six than he does okay. 10. Um, I think he's probably just one of the, one of the elite prospects in the class. The thing with this class, my, my point about the non quarterbacks is that, you know, three of the top play, three of the top non quarterbacks are a guard, a running back and a linebacker. And those aren't typically like high value positions you could argue about guard I think it's a more valuable one but but yeah so Roquan Smith I think he will go higher I think a team like the Colts maybe might might target him at six if they don't move down um also I would say Denzel Ward I mean he could fall a little bit the thing with corners is if you look throughout draft history like people are talking about Denzel Ward at four I mean, corners do not go that high typically. Marshawn right. Lattimore was the first corner drafted last year. He went at 11. So I think if you move back with Buffalo or move back with Arizona even, because the thing with the trade I just mentioned is Arizona could give you their one next year, their one this year, and their two this year, and similar to what the Bills would probably be willing to give you. So you could get about the same trade out of both teams, I think, um, if either team wants to move up and is desperate for that quarterback. But I could see Denzel Ward being on the board at 12. Um, I could definitely see Minka Fitzpatrick being there if they want to go that direction as well. Um, I think a lot of these mock drafts that the media has done, um, they've had Harold Landry falling yeah. out of the first round, potentially. I don't see that. Nah, I mean, if me you look neither. at the talent level, yeah, the talent level of the guys at the value positions in this class – He's too valuable of an athlete as an edge rusher, the type of player. I mean, he could be a better player long-term than Bradley Chubb, just with the ability that he has off the edge and what he did as a junior having 16 and a half sacks. So um, I really think that he's probably going to go in the top half of the first round most likely. And and here's the one that I'm really confident about. Um, I can't give names away or anything like that or sure. what the source was. And source could be wrong, but I'm really confident that my guy, actually, Maurice Hurst, I'm very confident he's going to fall. Yeah. Um, this this heart thing, it seems to be a, a big deal. I mean, it's hard to say whose boards he's on and which teams would be willing to take him and win. But I don't see any chance that he's going to go day one. Uh, I, I doubt that he goes day two. Uh, what was put to me was just kind of potentially day three, undrafted even. So wow. uh, that's a phenomenal talent that – you know, we'll see. It only takes one team. Maybe he goes in the first, second round. But, but from what I understand, I, I just, I doubt it. That is, that is some news right there. Because, you know, you've sold me on him. I've, I've been a big fan of his game because, you know, that interior pass rush has become a very big thing in the NFL, and you can never have enough defensive linemen. So, it seems like every team is always looking for another defensive lineman. And while he doesn't fit like a true nose tackle or anything like that, his speed will allow him to play all over the defensive line. And that would be some fall. I mean, that's that's big noise right there. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned Harold Landry because earlier in this podcast, I had Jeff Lloyd on, and he was very bullish on Landry, saying he could very – that's his bold prediction is that Landry will be the better player than Bradley Chubb. So – a bit out there, but I mean, I guess it's not that out there if two of my guests on this one pod love Harold Landry. And again, I agree with you. I think he's going to be closer to 12 than he will be, you know, to the second round. Absolutely. Um, okay, so is there anybody, you know, we talked about risers and fallers. Any guys that you look at and you say, like, man, 
no matter where he goes, I'm going to be following him in his NFL career because I just see great things for him. Like for me, it's Darius Geis and Jair Alexander. They're two guys that I really want in Cleveland. I don't think you know they've really lined up to be Cleveland Browns, but I, I no matter where they go, I'm going to say those are guys that you're going to want. Yeah, some of my favorite players just off the top of my head. So Darnold, whether he's in Cleveland, wherever he goes, I'm going to be a fan. I'm just I have quarterbacks kind of every year that I gravitate to typically, and he's going to be one of my guys forever. Um, Josh Rosen, I, I love his game as well. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, without a doubt, I'd love to see him go to the right place and and fit in somewhere. Um, and then non quarterbacks. Um, Definitely Maurice Hurst. Yeah, I, I love that dude. I'm excited to see what happens with him, even if he does get drafted later on or wherever he goes. I'm going to follow him closely. Harold Landry, because of the guys in this class coming off the edge, I'm just I'm very intrigued with him because of his ability. Um, some other guys, let's see. Denzel Ward, without a doubt. I mean, I yeah. think Denzel Ward is – I haven't I'll, – I'll be honest. I haven't looked at all the corners in the class. I've looked at a lot of the top defensive backs. I think that he – he is the one that, like, you put him in press man-to-man, you put him backside with an isolated X receiver. You know, you put him against the top wide receiver on a team, you man him up with that guy, and you say, okay, play this guy man-to-man, lock him down, you know, just cover him wherever, have him press, and I think he has the ability to do that. He's not, like, a huge corner or anything. He's not the size of Richard Sherman, but he plays bigger than he is. He's got good ball skills. He's shown the ability to play press man and cover guys. So I heard someone throw a Revis comp out there. I mean, I can't make wow. that comp because Revis is one of the best ever yeah, when he was tough. in his prime. I mean, mm-hmm. he was one of the best cover corners of all time. But I think Denzel Ward has like a really rare ability, and it wouldn't be surprising at all to see him be the defensive rookie of the year. I mean, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Derwin James is another guy that's a very good player. So those are just some of the guys that I'm excited to see how they do in their careers, as well as like Darius Geis, like you mentioned. I mm-hmm. love his game. Yeah. And then uh, another guy would be um, – I like Taven Bryant too. That's Taven another Bryant's guy. That's a defensive yeah. tackle from Florida. Very yeah. good first step. Penetrator. I'd love to see him in Cleveland um, if they can't end up with Hurst at the end of this draft. So those are some of the guys I really like. Yeah, I, I, I love, you know, the Hurst and Bryan are the two D tackles that it seems like might be around with that first pick of day two for the Browns. So that'd be pretty cool to bring in one of those guys. Um, all right, before I let you go, I want one bold prediction for the draft. Uh, something that, uh, if it's a little crazy, but when everyone hears it happen, uh, they're going to look to you. I think I already gave one with Maurice Hurst. Right, Him yeah. falling to day three. So another one, um, I'll say the Browns don't take a running back till the fourth or fifth round. Okay. How about that? Yeah, so I, li- I like I think, that a lot. Yeah, because everybody wants to give the Browns a running back with one of those three second rounders or connect. Which is this- okay. Yeah, that's, which is. That's not a bad prediction. Yeah, but- yeah, which is great. And then I just think a lot of people are going to be a little surprised when you say, wow, you know, we're, we're going into day three. The one position that was like the deepest, the Browns didn't really address. So, uh, but a fourth round pick on someone like Mark Walton out of Miami, or, uh, you know, you never know when one of those guys that everyone's pointing in the second round, one of them might fall. So, I, I, I don't think that's the worst case scenario for Browns fans if they address the offensive or defensive line before running back. So, 
Listen, thank you so much, Brendan, for coming on the podcast. Uh, silly season is almost over. Uh, we're almost there. And uh, go Cavs. Yep, go Cavs, man. Thank you for having me on. All right, no problem. Take care. All right, joining me now, the final guest of the Jake's Draft Week special. We have Damon Keckman of... Uh, I'm sorry, you're in Los Angeles, right? You're, you're uh, over New, in California? Newport Beach, but I, I am an outsider if you're talking about just in the Cleveland area, yeah. <laughs> that's that's totally fine. I mean, I'm located in New Jersey, so it's always great to see uh, you know Cleveland versus the world, Cleveland everywhere. But uh, you are in the Cleveland Against the World podcast with Kyle Kelly. Uh, you guys have been all over the draft scene for quite some time now. We're almost towards the end of it. Uh, tell me... What are the rumors we should be believing right now about number one? Because there's a lot of crap being thrown around about a bunch of different quarterbacks. What are you thinking a night before the draft? I mean, honestly, at this point, I just I would just say don't believe anything you're hearing. Like, I mean, for the longest time, we've been sitting here and it's been, oh, Sam Darnold's going to be the pick. Then it's, oh, Hugh likes Josh Rosen. And then it's, you know, Baker Mayfield and the little Pied Piper hee-hee thing. And then it was Josh Allen. Everyone's infatuated with Josh Allen, right? So it's, it's hard to believe, um, especially with the way that Dorsey's been playing this close to the chest. I mean, you know, there was a rumor that he didn't like Rosen. There was a rumor that he was infatuated with Mayfield. But... To be honest, like every big insider right now is is saying they don't have the answer. You can look at Mortensen, you can look at Ian Rappaport, you can look at Adam Schefter. There's all these different people saying that there's they have no idea who they're going to pick, and I think that's what makes the makes the draft fun. I just hate that it's really at the expense that you know it's it's us Browns fans like getting scared that oh my god we might draft Josh Allen and wow they're actually considering this guy. But no, I, I wouldn't believe anything you're hearing right now. I I've narrowed it down. I think to I've I've been saying for a while. I think it's either Darnold or Rosen. Um, despite everything that's been going on, because they're the two most logical, low floor, um, pretty big ceiling guys. I think um, Baker's under six foot. Allen's a complete mess. We can talk about that later if you want. So I can I can go days on how much I don't like Josh Allen. But no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't buy anything you're listening to right now. I would I would say probably the safest pick is going to be Darnold, but something tells me that Rosen's might be the guy. So I think that's something telling you is like you're infatuation with the guy I, I mean I, so you go on twitter and every morning i log on there's three people clamoring about rosen i love josh rosen i have him as the number one quarterback and my number five overall player uh i would love him in cleveland i think if you told me five years from now only one of those guys is starting in the nfl i'm like well it's easily josh rosen the guy on the field is just does everything you want him to do and I still think he can even get better. Some people think he's tapped out, and I'm like, I think that's crap. Uh, now, if you're saying, you know, the durability is a concern, I understand that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to say, oh, like, yeah, he's, you know, like, I know who's going to get injured and not. But if we're putting all the injury stuff aside, I think he's going to be a stud. I mean, talk up your boy, I, yeah. Honestly, man, I, I mean, I annoy everybody on Twitter with this every day. It seems like I log on and just I keep going to bat for this kid. And, and I mean, it's not because like I'm I, I'm not from California. We can throw that out there. Everyone, I, I've had people tell me that it's from because I'm from California, from Vegas. I grew up a Browns fan. Like I have no ties to UCLA, USC, anything like that. I just have done like 
you know, we've been looking for a quarterback for a while when it comes to Cleveland. You know, we passed on Wentz. We passed on Goff, too. Um, I mean, he could have been taken. You know, we could have moved up to take him. And I know Hugh yeah. really liked him, but that wasn't part of the plan. And, you know, Watson, Mahomes, Trubisky, we see all these guys go through, and then we end up with Kaiser and Kessler. And, like, uh, this year was, like, the year of the quarterback. Everyone kept saying that this draft class was going to be great. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do research on all these guys and see who I like. And Rosen just – from a like a from an on the field perspective, there's nothing wrong with the kid. There's so many things that he does wrong on the field that can be explained just because of the situation he was put in at UCLA. Not great talent. His receivers had the highest drop rate out of the top five quarterbacks, even higher than Lamar Jackson. Um, and he fit the ball in every type of window. It just that doesn't show up on your accuracy when you know. It doesn't show up when, when you're charting wide receiver drops because not many people chart that stuff. It's just accuracy, right. completion percentage, that's it. But if even if you look off the field, he doesn't. his teammates don't like him. I busted that rumor. I'm pretty sure Rosen retweeted one of my tweets showing four different of his teammates coming to bat for him. seems like this whole process, his teammates are getting badgered because of this. Yeah. It's not fair. Um, you know, People say how big of a dick he is, and it's like, you know, these are people that never met him, and you're trusting people that also have never met him that are making second opinions about him. You know, the durability stuff, Totally fair. But when I see people on Twitter argue Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, they're like, oh, I'm worried about Rosen's concussions. I'm like, okay, 2015, Baker had two concussions in a month. Are you worried about that? And they're like, oh, I didn't even know about that. But it's like everyone's dwelling on all the bad on Rosen because I feel like there's a lot to love about him. You know, you don't see – you know, Darnold's been getting a good rap. Uh, It's been like he's a nice high character guy, all that kind of stuff. But it's just weirdly – it's really weird watching Rosen get all this hate. And I feel like no one's been going to bat for him. So – you know, I figured I'd be the one to take up the bat. And honestly, I can't find anything I don't like about him. And maybe that's, you know, I'm California. I'm lean a certain political way. Like, I'm very laid back. I, I'm a millennial. And it's, you know, I think the kid's great. I don't see any problems with him. But, you know, it's everyone in my mentions is probably really sick of me talking about him. But I'm praying that they take him, man. I am I am praying. Yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 you know, when thinking about all my, like, possible reactions to the number one overall pick, uh, Josh Rosen, you know, is the one that if they were to take him, I'd be like jumping on the couch because I just think he's going to be the best. I love his attitude. A lot of people look at it as a negative and I'm like, no, nah, that's the same attitude that I get from guys that are great and want to be greater. Like that's all I hear when I hear him talking. Uh, any interview he's ever been a part of, I'm like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's a professional already. And Look, I, I unfortunately think he's going to slip a little bit just because, look, he whether we like it or not, he's rubbing teams the wrong way. Not all the teams. You only have to sell one. But I have him right now going to 11 Miami, and uh, I have him as the fourth quarterback being drafted, even though I have him as the best quarterback. Now, do you think that's kind of like his area? I know you want him one, but like, tell me, what do you think uh, the quarterbacks in order, like where do you think they fall? I mean, it really depends on what we do at one. Because if you look at, you know, if you look at both of my scenarios, I have, like, I, I if Darnold goes one, I think Rosen's going to go two. If Rosen goes one, I think Darnold's going to go two. There's, a, there's been a lot of talk about the Giants and how they're so set on a running back or they're so set on a pass rusher. But, you know, you look at it and it's like, Eli's getting old. Like, what if they're just playing everybody too? The only team I think I actually know is for certain is I, I'm, sh- I'm pretty damn sure the Jets are going to take Mayfield. Because right. that's just been, ev- like, everyone's been calling it like if we don't take Mayfield I think Jets are gonna take him but I think I don't think he's gonna slip but if he does slip 
there's some other stuff in there that I just feel like it's going to be, oh, you're too smart. You've spoken out against the president. We don't want you tweeting during – we don't want if, – if the Browns go on forward, do you want Rosen sitting at home after the game like, wow, can you believe what Trump said today? And it's funny too because he's answered all those questions. It's like yeah. there's nothing else to even argue about any, at this point, but we live in a world where somebody like Colin Kaepernick or even um, – I can't think of the – the safety's name. Eric, Eric Reed. Eric Reed. Yeah, yeah. He has, he just, he's a great safety. No job because he was, you know, he spoke out against the president. He's great safety. And he actually, I think he hurt the market with safeties too. But we see that in this world, like you gotta, you gotta play by the rules or not. And like, we talk, we hear a lot about how Rosen's smart. Like everyone talks about how smart he is. I was going to make the coach feel emasculated. I want a coach that's going to be able to put up with that. Like Hugh, I don't know if he's going to be able to put up with it. Maybe that's yeah. why the Browns don't like him. Maybe they, maybe they're scared of his intelligence. And, but like, if I was Dorsey, I'd be picking not for somebody who like I wouldn't be picking for Hugh. I'd be picking for five, ten years down the road. So, yeah, he should be picking I, for Dorsey, not for Hugh. I mean, and yeah. and like make Hugh learn. You know, this is the quarterback's team, not the head coach's team. But I mean, he really, honestly, he should have been fired after the second year. If, yeah. we're, if we're being completely frank about it, it should have been the opposite way around. And Sashi probably could have kept his job, and Hugh probably could have. An, uh, another argument for another day, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm a Sashi apologist and I'm a Hugh hater, but, uh, but hey, what, you know, today is a good day. Today is about the draft and getting the team better. Now, uh, outside of quarterback, believe it or not, there are other positions being drafted in, uh, in the draft tomorrow night. Uh, any like certain risers, fallers you're thinking about? You know, the media likes to kind of sway us in certain directions, and then when guys get you know dr- dropped to the mid 20s or guys get pushed up to number 6 or 7 they act on TV like it was never supposed to happen any of those you see kind of happening with uh, in regards to any certain players i i know that um Hurst uh, the defensive tackle from Michigan there seems to be there seems to be a lot of people i know pro football focus is really high on him mm-hmm. i could see him slipping there's been some stuff about his um about, like his health heart, concerns yeah, with him yeah. Um, Josh Jackson's been one I think that's going to rise. Um, okay. I think he's, I think he's going to go higher than people think. Um, another one I'm not, I'm not sure that I really understand, but Mika Fitz, Mika Fitzpatrick, like the start of the draft season, he was like, Browns need to take this guy for mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's fallen to like Tampa Bay. They might like Derwin better than M- Mika. And I, I think he, whoever gets him, he's going to go top 10 and they're going to get a great player. But yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson too. I think he's going to go a lot earlier than people think. I think once the four quarterbacks go, he's going to be the next one off the board and someone down low is going to be jumping up to grab him because, you know, even in our own division, we got Flacco's kind of old Dalton's eh, and Ben's about to, you know, yeah, he's he's starting with retiring the last three years. So yeah. Uh, So those are all, those are all teams that are picking lower than us. I know. And, uh, I could totally see someone jumping ahead of Atlanta or uh, I'm sorry, Arizona at 15. I kind of think that's like Lamar's almost Lamar's floor at this point. I think that's the fifth quarterback will be gone by 15 and someone might need to move ahead of uh, uh, the Cardinals right there. Uh, So yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of favorite players in this draft. Uh, I'm a big Jair Alexander guy. I love Darius Geis and uh, yeah, I mean, and and I've been in love with Bradley. Actually, he's one that, is I think he's gonna fall, and I think it's gonna be a huge mistake. I Who, think that he can fall into the second round because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of controversy around him, especially I mean yesterday it was 
you know, today, obviously we're recording this and we're recording sure, yeah. it, but, um, he, there was like this whole rumor that, you know, he had been asked about his mom's, you know, being a prostitute and he, he had asked about if he was gay and stuff like that. And the NFL and this came is out Geist saying, saying, there's right? no, there's nothing about it. And, and then you have all these character concerns from anybody that's talked to him. He seems like a really nice guy. I've seen him in interviews. He doesn't seem like a troublemaker, but you know, we could always, we could all be wrong about it, you know, things. So, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to watch that, uh, like, you know, come through but is there anyone in your mind uh that you're like hey no matter what i'm gonna be following this guy you know brown's uniform or not because i think he's gonna be an absolute stud wherever he goes it doesn't have to be one of those top quarterbacks just anybody in this draft process that you're like every time a mock draft comes around you're hoping he ends up in cleveland oh that's actually pretty interesting i i think if See, this is the crazy one. Is because like I love Saquon so much. Okay. And I'll follow him. Like I, I want to see how his career turns out because he's in, he's you know generational talent. Like he can run the ball, catch the ball. He's not the same kind of guy as Zeke, where he like runs you over, but he'll maneuver his way around you. And if he can't get around you, like he did a great job carrying Penn State in. Like I used to watch him all the time because obviously I'm watching all the Big Ten games. And yeah. You see him like run with such great vision, and he carried that team. And everyone talks about how oh, 100 yard games. Like he only had so many. It's like he was their whole offense. So I, I think Saquon's one that I don't necessarily want the Browns to take him, but I know he's going to be really good. And the only reason I don't want him to take him is because running back that high is kind of crazy. Yeah. Especially with the with the miss rate, and then that fifth year option. If they if the Browns take him at four, that fifth year option is going to be in excess of like $20 million down the road. So it's a lot to pay for a running back, especially when you have somebody like Le'Veon Bell this year campaigning for like, what, $17 million? Like, are you going to pay Barkley that much down the road? Are we even sure he's going to be as good as Barkley? And, you know, the only reason he's Bell's not getting that money is because he's a second-round pick, not a first-round pick. Right, he's a first-round exactly. pick, he'd be getting that money. So I'd rather, I mean, I'd, I would love Saquon, and I'm going to watch his old career because I think he's great, but I think we the, the Browns need to look at that position in another, you know, he's Saquon's a pick for a team that's ready to run, make a Super Bowl run. He's not a 0-16 kind of player. Like, you can find somebody that's going to be just as serviceable as Saquon in the second round, but he's going to be that next level guy to put another huge team over the top. Yeah, I agree there. And I totally see your point about like the financial investment that's involved with the running back, especially with, you know, you can get 80 to 85% of Saquon Barkley in the second round for a much cheaper price. And you can't get that from guys like Bradley Chubb or even like, uh, you know, like a Derwin James, you know, these guys that are going to, or a Denzel Ward, whoever it may be. You like, unfortunately, it doesn't come down to just taking the best player. There is a political aspect to it, and there's a big financial investment involved. And you have to look at the team as a whole when doing this. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing people don't bring up about mock draft season is, listen, it's a money game. These owners don't do it to win. They do it because it's about money. And that's unfortunately what it's all about. And the last little bit, though, like if the Browns, like they have a lot of cap space still. They have still have almost, oh, I think it's, I think the number's around 68 million or something like that off the top of my head. But if you are picking one and four, of course, the quarterback's a good decision. You want a quarterback on a cheap contract, regardless if he's the number one pick because of the way the rookie contracts are slotted. But like that fourth pick, we need a left tackle. We could always use another pass rusher, maybe even a lockdown corner, even though we signed all those corners. A running back is like as much as I like important. Some good ones are. It's not a premium position in the NFL. You don't need to pay a running back that much. Patriots winning Super Bowls. Can't even name any of their running backs that they've had because they all they do is just James White, it's Danny Woodhead, it's um, 
I, there, they had a running back, uh, ran for like four touchdowns in the playoffs, never was even on the team again. I think yeah. it was like a Col- or a Colts game. I, I I forget the guy's name, but I think it was like Jonas Gray. Yeah, four it was touchdowns in one game, and he back. got benched and cut like right after. Because you're that it's you're that expendable at that position. That position. But if Saquon's that great, like so, like I said, he's gonna make another team that much better. But it's not a risk that the Browns should be taking, where they have all these young players that they need to pay in three, four years. Um, and then that's why they have so much cap space now. So Jonas Gray, the first player to ever be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and the very next week be unactive. It's incredible yeah. what they can do in New England. But if you do take a page out of their playbook of having just serviceable guys that can get it done, they will never make you like strapped for cash because they are replaceable. And being having that many solid targets is just the reason they've been the dominant AFC East champion every year and, and in ev- the Super Bowl every other season. So yeah. uh, I think it, you know, I think that's something that people need to pay attention to when they're taking running backs in the top five. So, Definitely all right, agree. before I let you go, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an awesome night, but I want one big, bold prediction, something that is going to happen. It could be tomorrow night. It could be towards the end of the draft, but something that you say when that happens, like, damn, I called that. I heard Damon say it first. Oof, man, this is tough. Um, I think, oof, man, let's go really, really bold here. Yeah, be um, bold, be bold. For some odd reason, I feel like, man, I, I want to go really bold for this. Let me, let me sit on, let me sit on this for a hot minute because there's a lot of things that can happen. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. So I'll I'll run by a couple that I've heard already. Give, give, me, give me some of yours so I can. Like, yeah. Get my so so uh, I, I still, Jake, I'm just still perplexed by that Cavs game that just happened. Oh, so. I know. I know. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, uh, Tribe won four one over the Cubs. Cavs won on LeBron game winner. The guy that has the greatest highlight reel all of all time just added a big play to it. Uh, yeah. So uh, earlier in the podcast, I had Jake Burns on. He had Mike Kosicki going eleven, uh, wow. which which is really high. Yeah, really high. Uh, I had Brendan Leister on, and he had uh, Maurice Hurst dropping to day three, possibly undrafted because of medical. So stuff like that. I'm my big my big one is that there will be six quarterbacks taken in the first round. I don't think that's that bold. I think it's very possible. So I'm going to make a little bit of a bolder take maybe tomorrow. Uh, I don't think. I don't think Darnold is the pick at one. I don't know if that's the boldest thing in the world, but now that Mike Mayock came out with his mock draft, Mike Mayock, who hasn't been wrong about the number one overall pick since 2008, he had Darnold going one. So if we go by the you know recency of him being that good, Darnold at one seems to be a pretty fair assessment. So, uh, all right, what do you think? I, I I got one. Okay, so I think there's a. This guy's got a round. I just looked it up because I wanted to make sure because I wanted to see if my prediction would be bold enough. So, Shaquem Griffin, the one uh, one-handed yeah. uh, beast oh, yeah. of a defensive player, I think he's going to go in the second round. He's got a five, five, six-round grade on him. They invited him to the draft, and I think honestly that he's going to be one of the better defensive players in the NFL by his like second or third year because he doesn't have that hand, man. But man, he uses that. And he's never yeah, had his. He hands. uses that nub like crazy. Like yeah. he's good. He's he's he can catch balls with his nub. Like everyone, everyone's been underestimating him. And his brother is a great player for the Seahawks too. Yeah, so sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him going round two because I think he's way more talented than his disability. Like everyone thinks, you, you see somebody with one hand, and you're like, wow, this guy can't play better than somebody with two hands. I think he can play better than a lot of guys that have two hands. Absolutely. And listen, like he is the perfect example of 
just you only need one team to fall in love with you. And he's going to have multiple teams fall in love with him, but somebody in that, like, he's going to go top. I like that. I love that bold pick. I could totally see him going in the middle of round two where a team is saying, look, you know, we are a pretty complete team. Someone like the New Orleans Saints or someone like, you know, maybe oh, Jacksonville. To go to the Saints. I know. Yeah. No, th- I mean, those are the teams that come to mind. Those teams that they can afford a bit of a luxury pick here and there where they're saying, listen, we have a very complete team, but if we take a guy who could be really, really great, we can afford to make that. You know, sometimes like, you know, the Houston Texans don't have a lot of picks. They can't really afford to make a Griffin pick. Or like the Jets invested a lot into a uh, quarterback. Maybe they need to be smarter with down the line. But a team that, like the Saints, they're ready. I could I could totally see that. Yeah. Listen, Damon, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I, I've i loved this whole draft process. You've been very entertaining on Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'd love to have you on maybe after the draft. We can go over things in the future. I think it's going to be a good weekend. Cavs won. Tribe are rolling. I, maybe, maybe. Man, I'm, sweat, I'm sweating, man. I, I am I am so nervous. I, I I haven't been this nervous for a draft in a really long time. And man, being being like and being a Browns fan that's not even from Cleveland, I can't even imagine diehard Browns fans that are older than I am that have been watching this for as long as they've been watching it. Because like, man, I'm only I'm only I'm about to be 25 years old. I'm pretty young. I don't remember many drafts, and I can't imagine that's how some of the 40 year olds feel like stressed yeah. out. And I'm like, I'm like, and maybe it's just because I'm such a, a freak about Josh Rosen, but man, I am I'm just nervous that they're gonna do the wrong thing. And history tells us that that's usually what happens. Yeah, so. unfortunately, history has never <laughs> been kind to us. But I mean. Browns fans, if we are nothing, we are but optimistic. So, listen, thank you, Damon. We'll be talking shortly. And, uh, hey, go Browns. Go Browns, man. All right, thanks. All right, and that concludes the Jake Draft Special. We had a lot of really great guests on this week. I am so ready for the draft. I'm so ready for silly season to be over. Uh, really exciting stuff on this pod. Hope you all enjoyed it. I really enjoyed getting to know some of these big-time Browns fans and fans of other fran- uh, franchises, too. This was a really great learning experience. We are just uh, actually on the stroke of midnight. This is the one-year anniversary of my first-ever podcast, so very excited that this lined up perfectly for me. Uh, I have loved doing this podcast so much. Uh, I just do it for fun. And this isn't like a paid gig or anything. This is something that I rush home to do after work because I just really enjoy it. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Make sure to follow JakerBaker58 on all sorts of social media. And I will keep on doing this. And who knows, maybe I'll get on 2019's, uh, (laughs) 2019's draft maybe like Saturday night. I'll wait. I'll wait a couple hours. So everyone, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, go Browns.